0: I want you to take your Bible and open it. If you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible there in the in the rack, and open it to the book of Job. And we're gonna be looking in this book in just a moment. If you have a hard time finding Job, find Psalms, the book of Psalms, and back up one book and you will be in the book of Job. Now, here's what God put on my heart to talk about tonight. And there, there are many reasons for this. It just seems like, in recent weeks, even this week, we are praying with more people going through adversities, difficult things. I mean just almost in some cases unbelievable things. and, and I thought, you know if live life long enough and you don't have to live all that long and you will experience, adversities in your life. That's just a true statement. I'll show you that even in the Bible tonight. Now, you know, adversity, trouble, problems, they they come in many different ways. For example, there would be like, if you were gonna make a list of adversities, you'd certainly have on that list like physical adversity, you'd have mental, uh, you'd have emotional, you'd have uh, social. Uh, you would probably add to that list a uh, spiritual, and then, you know, another adversity would be financial. And so, you, if you kind of lined all that up and looked at it, the fact of the matter is, you can have adversity in one of those areas, and it will impact the other areas. Example, let's say a person is going through a time of physical adversity all at once some real health issue is like the sky falling. Okay, now they're going through physical adversity, but that, that adversity kinda impacts other areas like mentally, emotionally, uh, socially. Uh, it, it even could do so spiritually, and it certainly can do so financially. So when, when you look at all the things that go on in life Um, it's not like one thing is isolated over here, and if you have a problem over here, it has no uh, connection over here. That is not the way it is at all, and I wouldn't need to take any more time other than just say again, live life long enough, and you don't have to really live all that long, and all of us will go through things in life that would fall under the category of an adversity. Now, In the book of Job, I want us to look, before we get to our actual text, I want you to look with me at maybe three uh, background scriptures in the book of Job that really lay the foundation of what I want to do tonight. Look with me, for example, in Job chapter 3. And I'll wait just a moment for you to find it, Job chapter 3. Look, for example, in verse 25, Job chapter 3, verse 25. And here, of course, we have, uh, it's it's a really sad chapter where Job has some uh, really profound things to say. But down in verse 25, he said, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Verse 26, I am not at ease, nor am I quite. I have no rest, for trouble comes. You could use the word trouble. You could use the word adversity, whatever word communicates best to you. So here's really a foundational verse that Job is saying. Now turn over to chapter number five, verse number seven. It's a very interesting verse. It says, yet man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. You know, sparks don't fly downward downward. Sparks fly upward, and so mankind is born to trouble, and here it is in the Bible. Turn over in chapter 14. Let's just see one other little section that lays a little foundation for what I want us to look at tonight. In Job chapter 14, look with me in verse 1. The Bible says, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. If you underline in your Bible, that'd be a, an interesting verse. What he's saying is a person born of a woman, you could just say, here's what's going to happen. Out there somewhere along the way, there's going to be adversity. Now, if you got here any other way, like if the stork dropped you off, then you are exempt from adversity. But the Bible's very clear. If a, man, if a person is born of a woman, adversity is just part of, of that package. Now, you say, are there no exceptions? Well, only those that, are, that got here some other way. For example, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were not born of a woman. God created Adam and Eve. And until they sinned in the garden, there was nothing but blessing and glory in their life. But now when they sinned, up to that point, they had been exempt from any kind of adversity. But when they sinned, things changed. Uh, Now, even even before they sinned, they were not exempted from work. You see, work is not a punishment at all for sin. But when they sinned in the garden, Things change, for example, and you read it in Scripture, uh, they they begin to have uh, weeds in the garden, and so their work became more difficult. And when you are out working in your flower bed and you see weeds and thorns and thistles, it just always reminds me, and should remind you, that you know, before Adam and Eve sinned, there were no weeds, there were no thorns, there were no thistle, and work was always pleasure and an easygoing thing. But things really changed at that point, point. and every person that has been born since Adam and Eve sin, they are born with a sin nature. The Bible teaches us very clearly that in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, and along with that sin nature comes adversity. There's not any person that's ever going to be that's been born of a woman exempt from adversity. Now, with that little background, you're in the book of Job. Let's go back in Job chapter 1, and what I want us to do tonight is learn Uh, from Job's adversities, a couple of things that I think will help all of us and uh, will be a very great blessing to us. Now, you know, it's, it's much better to learn from the experiences of others than to go always learning through the school of hard knocks. Now, the school of hard knocks is a great teacher, but it's a painful teacher. And many times, if we would pay attention and learn from things other people go through, good and bad, it would save us going through the school of hard knocks as much as we probably do. So let's just look in Job chapter 1 and see what we can learn from what he experienced about adversities. In Job chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man, now that's interesting. Uh, in the land of us. now let me stop just a moment and say this, and you may want to jot these little verses down. Here's what we need to understand. Job was a real man who lived in a real place. Like this is not a parable. This is a story about a man and his name was Job. Now he's mentioned by name, two different places in the Bible. Now put your little midweek sheet where you are, but I want you to see this. Turn over in the book of Ezekiel, if you will. Turn to the right and you'll, you'll find a journey over into the book of Ezekiel. And in the book of Ezekiel, go to chapter number 14. I'll wait just a moment for you to get there. Ezekiel chapter number 14. I want you to see that this Job, this Job story is a real deal. It's a real man, he lived in a real place. In Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel speaking, and here's what he says. Let's look in verse 12. Ezekiel said, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, son of man, when a land sins against me, against God, God speaking to him now, by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it and cut off man and beast from it. Verse 14 it 's a verse to mark, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, <laughs> like Noah was a real person, Daniel was a real person, job a real person. It said, even if these three men, if they would if, if they were in this land uh, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. He says, if I cause wild beasts to pass through the land, and they empty it and make it so desolate that no man may pass through because of the beast. Even though these three men were in it, those three men, Noah, uh, and Daniel and Job, even though they live there, he says, they would deliver neither the sons nor the daughters, only they would be delivered and the land would be desolate. Go into verse 17. Or if I bring a sword on that land and say, sword, go through the land and cut off man and beast from it, Even those three men, Were as it were alive there, says the Lord, they would deliver neither sons nor daughters, but only they themselves would be delivered. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury on its blood and cut off from it man and beast. Now verse 20, here it is. Even though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, says the Lord God, they would deliver neither son nor daughter. They would only deliver only themselves by their righteousness. So here in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 14, uh, Job is a real man, and he's mentioned. Now, turn over in the book of James. It won't take but a moment in the New Testament. In James, chapter number five, I want you to see again where we read about uh, Job in James chapter five, verse number 10. The Bible says, uh, my brethren take the prophets who spoke in the name of our Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job. So here Job's mentioned in the New Testament in the book of James. You've heard of his patience and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and very merciful. Now, you may just want to jot these verses down. We're not going to take time to turn to them. But uh, New Testament writers, two different times, quote verses from the book of Job. And you just might want to jot these down in Romans chapter 11, verse 35 is one of the verses in the New Testament that is a quote from the book of Job. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. We'll not turn. I say that, I mentioned that just to try to get the message across that when we talk about this man in Job chapter 1, he was a real man and he lived in a real place. Look in verse one. There was a man who lived in the land of Uz. You say, where in the world is Uz? Well, it's, it's on the east side of the Jordan River, which puts it in what we know today as Jordan. And it's southeast of the Dead Sea. So you're, you're way down south in Israel on the other side of the Jordan River. And in fact, this is a land where Moses lived for 40 years of his life. That's where this man lived. Now look what the Bible says about him. His name was Job and that man was blameless and upright. That does not mean he was sinless. No, no. No man sinless. What that refers to is he was beyond reproach in character and conduct. That's the kind of man he was. He's one who feared God and shunned Evil, turned away from evil. You might want to that little words, feared God. You know, as you read the book of Proverbs, you read about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. Just throughout the book of Proverbs, especially you read so much about the fear of the Lord. And I think the best definition, and it's really not a definition, it's an understanding. What does it mean to fear the Lord? So that means to reverence God. Well, yes, it does. It It doesn't mean you're afraid of God. When the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, what does it mean? Be afraid of God and then you'll have wisdom? No, no. Well, certainly it means respect for God. It is. I think Dr. Kendall has the best way of conveying what is involved in the Hebrew terminology of those words, what the fear of the Lord means. And uh, you you maybe have read it in some of his books, perhaps you've heard it when he has spoken here, but he says, you know, and I have it written, for example, I have it actually written in my Bible on the very first page in Proverbs. And it just means that we, here's here's the idea, per Dr. Kendall, you respect God's ways as revealed in his word, so that you choose his opinion over anyone else. Now, I'm going to say that again. And if, if, you, if you can get that down and then begin to think about it, I think Dr. Kendall is right on target. Certainly that means you respect God, you reverence God. But like, now how do you say that in everyday life? How do you take that? Like someone said, well, what one we'll does do is reverence God. Well, what does that mean? But well, what one we'll to do is respect God. Well, I do respect God, but like, like to just, how can I put my hands on that? I think Dr. Kendall has it. What you do, you respect God's ways as revealed in his word, so that you choose God's opinion over anyone else. Now, if you'll digest that and think about that, it'll revolutionize your Bible reading, especially in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere, when you read about the fear of the Lord. You know, do I fear the Lord? Well, sure, I respect the Lord. So do you. Do I reverence God? Yes, and so do you. But let me ask you this. Do you respect God's ways as revealed in His Word, so that you choose His opinion over anyone else? Now, you you know that that that's a that'd be a good morning devotional journey right there, because the fact is, so many times Christians today just they they just kind of pick and choose. You know, they I think well I'm going God's Word says this so. I'm going to choose that. Well, God's Word says all of this. But this is the kind of man Job was. He was a man that feared God. He respected God. And he chose his ways accordingly. Now, the Bible says, you know the story, but let me read some of it. He had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East, very wealthy. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each one on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, now here's what Job said about his kids. It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. You know, there's a good little lesson if you think it through there. The, the, danger, uh, the danger of sin is ever present in times of enjoyment. You know, many things in themselves, there's no sin to that. But if we're not careful, many times when we get in places of enjoyment, there's always this danger that in the midst of all that, that uh, sin can seemingly just surface. And evidently that's what was going on in Job's mind. Now, verse six says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. Now remember in Isaiah chapter 14, Satan wanted to be like God. And of course, God put him and his angels out of heaven. But Satan obviously had access back and forth. He couldn't live there any longer, but here he appears with these angels who've evidently come to God to get their instructions. You know, the Bible says angels are ministering spirits. I don't know what you believe about angels, but I do believe in angels, and I believe in angels because the Bible teaches about angels, and you know, they They're just messages from God. They have work to do, and evidently here they're coming for their assignment. And Satan shows up in the midst of this. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Now, some of your translations, maybe I think it's New Living Translation, some other newer ones, says the accuser, Satan. And uh, uh, the Hebrew word Satan, the Hebrew word for Satan is accuser. So whatever your translation may be, you may have both words all put together there. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is none like him on the earth. He's blameless, he's upright, he's one who fears me, and he shuns evil. That's, that's, quite a, that's quite a character list. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all the has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and possessions having increased the land. But now, Satan said, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, All that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. That's always where Satan goes. He goes in the presence of God. So you know what happens. Look in verse 13. It says, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house and a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them, they took them away. They have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Job, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, while he was still speaking, Man, this bad news just keeps coming. Another came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands. They raided the camels and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and your daughters. Can't you imagine Job knew what was coming? were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Let's stop here for just a moment. Let me mention in those 19 verses one of the lessons we can learn from his adversity, and that is godly people experience adversities, and we all need to understand that. Those foundational verses that I read earlier, they're just some of the verse in the Bible that teaches, and many times when adversity comes, if if Christian people don't understand that, they are not exempt. From adversity. Now, obviously, Job was a godly man. He was, in verse 1, he, he was a man who was blameless, he upright, he feared God, he shunned evil. Even God said that himself about Job. But godly people, in fact, as I think about Job, he probably experienced uh, more catastrophes in one day. Than any person who ever lived except Jesus. I mean, when you, uh, I've, I've never known anybody, I, I can think of some. Uh, Dottie, Dottie is one of her dearest girl lady friends from our previous church, um, I mean, whose husband just really died during a time when she was going through major surgery. I just, I just never saw so much stuff going on at one time, but yet it was just two different things. And I look here and I think, well, it you know, even what they've been through doesn't compare it to this list of things, but you know, here, here's a, here's an issue. You know, why, why, why would Godly people experience uh, adversities? That's a good question. People may not say it in a question that way, but people think that. People who try to live right and love God and do right, faithfully in his church, try to do what they can to further kingdom work. And this comes along, this comes along. And well, are, are there any answers? Are we just say, Are we just supposed to say, well, you know? Well, there's some things we can know. First of all, Uh, you may want to jot some of these down. We we live in a fallen world, and we need to understand that. And number two, we live in fallen bodies. I mean, our bodies are mortal. They're corruptible. Uh, They, uh, uh, well, I'll just leave it there. I'm reminded every morning when I get up and look in the mirror that uh, I'm no longer uh, 21, uh, 31, and uh, all of us, things happen. Uh, things just are going to—they're going to all happen unless we, unless the Lord comes first, or or maybe we uh, are just blessed in a very special way. Uh, we live in fallen bodies, so our bodies are not always going to be a hundred percent healthy. We'll, we'll run into some things. And not only that, you know, why, why would God to people experience adversities? Well, we don't live in a fallen world and we live in fallen bodies, but we have Satan and his attacks are real. And I've listed that verse on the screen, 1 Peter 5 It says, Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, listen carefully. Let's not, let's not overemphasize the devil, but let's not underemphasize the devil. There is a devil, and he does have his angels. And his primary purpose for all mankind is that they never come to know God in a simple way. Satan's desire for you and for me is that we would never become a believer and that we one day would have spent eternity with him in hell. That's his number one game plan. Now, hopefully for all of us, that has not worked out because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, he lost that one, but he's not finished. What would he next do? Well, numbers of things, and that's a sermon for a whole nother time. But just because you are a believer, because I'm a believer, don't think for a moment that means now you are exempt from any of the tax and the schemes and the connivings of the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion. And the fact of the matter is, this is my observation, and there be biblical basis for it. The closer that you desire to live for God and serve God, the more you're going to experience his attacks on what you're trying to do. I I don't think Satan is very concerned about lukewarm believers. He's really not. And I've watched through the years that some of the most godly people that God used in the most magnificent ways, they go through enormous things in their lives that you would just stand over on the side and think, well, you know, I, I don't believe that would ever happen to them. You look at it very carefully. Satan is at work. I'm not trying to overemphasize the power of the devil, but don't de-emphasize the power of the devil. And yet, this is all part of why God and the people experience adversities. I've learned this as a pastor. The more I do to try to lead the church to reach souls for Jesus, the more stuff I encounter. I've watched it all these years. Now, if I'll just be content to say we're going to rest in Zion, we're not going to try to get out beyond the walls and get the gospel out to people that maybe never come in, inside the wall to they hear the gospel. I, I don't think Satan much cares what we do. But when we are earnest about caring about the souls of people and being obedient to what God teaches in his word and, and then try to do something about that, you, you just can get ready you can get, don't be afraid. Greater is he that is in you than he that's where? In the world. I'm not afraid of the devil, but I know he's real. I know he's out there. And one of his choice tools, weapons, is discouragement. If he can discourage a believer, at least for that period of time, he's almost paralyze that believer from being productive in what God would have him to do. So this helps me to realize that my family, we've not been exempt from uh, adversities. And I would almost be able to say tonight, there's not a family in this room that, has not, that would say I've been exempt from adversities. Some of you here tonight, and some that I have in my mind now, And in my heart now, they're going through tremendous adversities. I prayed with one of our fine members just uh, about an hour ago here at the church that tomorrow is going through just an enormous thing physically. And uh, when we parted ways, I thought, I've watched that person all these years. I know no one more faithful, no one who's encouraged me more and he has gone through a lot of things. So hopefully that'll be of some help. Now, I think another thing we learned from George's uh, adversities is the proper response in adversities determines the outcome. That's the key. So I mean, they're coming. You and I can't do a whole lot about that. But how we respond We can do something about it. Now, let's learn from Job. How did he respond? Well, look with me in verse 20. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head. Now, this was their custom of mourning in that day. And he fell to the ground, underlined it, and worshiped. Look at this. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then look in verse 22, in all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. And so he worshiped God. Not only that, uh, he, he praised the Lord's name. He praised the Lord's name. He did not sin and he did not blame God. Uh, The New Living Translation says that well, he did not sin by blaming God. So when we go through difficult things, I mean, we're gonna respond some kind of way. And the better way to respond is the way Job responded. You know, I've often thought, had all that happened to me, how would I have responded? What I've observed through the years is when real adversity comes into the life of a Christian, it tends to draw them either closer to God or drive them farther from God. They begin to blame God and they get bitter. They quit reading their Bible. They quit praying. And when you're going through hard things, you don't, you don't feel like I need to read. You, you're just not interested in reading the Bible. That's when we need to read the Bible. That's when we need to pray. You know, that's, that's when we need to probably go to church extra. Do everything we can to be around God's people and hear God's word. You know, this chapter of Job, I love this book. It's an interesting book. And I've always been fascinated with this last part of this chapter one. And many times, many times in my own private prayer life, I've, I've prayed to God. God, I want to be like Job at the end of chapter one. i I don't know how many times I've prayed that prayer. But in my praying one day on that, I feel like the Lord said to me, you're praying praying wrong. You're saying you want to be like Job at the end of chapter one. What you need to do, this is what I feel God told me, you need to ask me to help you be like Job in the beginning of chapter one. You're in the wrong end of the chapter. You're down here hearing a guy praise me, worship me, saying the Lord's given, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, all of us want to be that way. <laughs> Something bad comes along. That's how we all want to be. Well, how do you get to be that? We'll go back in chapter one, verse one. There was a man. He lived in the land of us. He was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. And he shone deep.